Uh, thank you all, uh, and thank you, church, for uh, having the faith to have me here. Uh, uh, I was saying, uh, nowhere north of Miami to handle my accent, so <laughs> uh, I'm just excited to be here. It's a joy to be here, and it's a joy to be here to see uh, Al's uh, debut as an as a artist. That was great. I was impressed. Uh, did everybody saw when Al went like this? That was great, my friend. You, you have skills. You got skills. That, that was amazing. Uh, I, I listened to last week's message, uh, and uh, when I listened that Kurt Allen was, going, was singing, I'm like, thank you all. How can I top that next week? So I will not sing any reggaeton today. So don't, don't. <laughs> You don't want me singing, believe me. Uh, but it's just a joy to be here. Uh, how difficult it is to be a Hispanic in Sovereign Grace. Uh, today, a friend of mine from the Pastor College is in Minnesota, five degree weather. Hispanic get to come to Miami. <laughs> so this is great. I, I know it's a little cold for you guys, but I, I left Ice Age. That was, uh, we had a bunch of ice back in Washington, D.C., so it's a joy to be here. This is home. We've been twice here at this church, and you just warm. Uh, your gift of hospitality has overflowed, and Kathy and I, we feel this is home. So thank you so much. Uh, the grace of God reflects to you every time I come in. I know everybody that comes to those doors uh, experience that grace, and you guys are being used by God, by your gift of hospitality. So thank you for the way you serve and love God through that in many ways. So thank you for your faith. This one, before I start, also thank you for your faith in, in the investment in Sovereign Grace Ministry. Uh, I know it may, may feel like a little far, you know, but the Pastor College, we are thankful for churches like you that invest in Sovereign Grace, and we are able to benefit from sound doctrine teaching, from care from pastors. This year we have 18 men and women, mostly from the United States, one, one guy from England, one guy from Canada, and 16 others. And there's like four or five future church planters. Uh, and the others, hopefully, to come and, and support a church. So your investment in Sovereign Grace is making a difference. So thank you for being part of the, of the, of the mission of Sovereign Grace uh, and be part of the Pastor College. We are all thankful for your faithfulness. And uh, it's a life-changing experience. Uh, I wouldn't give up this past Four, four months that we have been in Gatesburg. Uh, everybody keeps saying about the basement, the sacrifice is no sacrifice. It's a joy, it's a privilege to be able to wake up every morning and learn from God's Word and to share life with 18 other men that love God and have a passion to, to see His kingdom move forward. So thank you. You are part of that. You are part of that mission that we're having. There's a, there's a guy that is looking forward to, to plant a church in uh, Ireland. You are part of that. So, so be, feel part of that. Uh, and brings lots of pleasure to go. Uh, Al mentioned all of our background. We are hoping in a two-year plan, God willing, to be able to plan a Hispanic church in Gettysburg, Maryland, and we are excited about that. And we would not be in this position if it wasn't for the care that this man has provided. Thank you for allowing Al to serve us, uh, for releasing him. Uh, he was an instrumental part in all that process of calling. If, if it wasn't for his care, I, I don't think 
uh, we will get there. So he was just a blessing. Thank you for Corey releasing him. I know the time he spent with me is more work for you. So thank you for your guys' faith. You're caring for us, caring for Kathy. Uh, it's, it's, it's just a joy. I feel home. This is home. So thank you so much for your faith. And, uh, and that time that we went to Cuba also gave a lot of faith to Kathy and myself. So it's a deep privilege to be here. Belief is just a simple word, something that many of us Christians use, many of us talk about. We say we are believers. We may say, uh, ask people, are you a believer? Uh, it's, it's, it's really indebted, really inside our Christian culture. It's a word that we use a lot. But there's a battle out there asking us to what things we believe in. There's many things in our cultures telling us, you need to believe this. They're not saying that, but that's what they're saying with their words. There's different people, even inside the Christian community, telling us to believe things that may not be founded on God's word. During our uh, vacation of, of Pastor College, we got a two-week vacation back in December. Kathy and I, we had the privilege to go to Orlando, Florida for six days. Uh, we wanted a place to, to be able to spend time out of the basement. <laughs> And uh, so we spent six days in, in, in Orlando. It was a wonderful vacation. We, we were able to uh, build memories, spend time together. We, we, we went to a couple of the parks. But the park that I enjoyed the most was SeaWorld. I really loved SeaWorld. It was great. And I'm like, I'm coming to Miami. I need a Florida illustration. So here we go. It's amazing. I don't know if you guys have been to SeaWorld, but Shamu was my favorite show. <laughs> I love Shamu. I'm a Shamu fan. And uh, when we went there, we were, we were, we were in the park. Shamu is like jumping, doing flips. He throws trainers. And uh, he's like throwing water to people. He's like soaking people. People are running around. That's the part I don't understand. Like, he says soaks on. You know, if you say soaks on, you're going to get wet, I think. But people are running away from the water. Shamu is wet, getting that wet. It's just wonderful. I really enjoyed it. But in the middle of the show, the show is called Belief. That's the name of the show. And in the middle of the show, a trainer comes out. She starts sharing a little bit about her life. And at some point, she's saying, I believe we can do anything if we put our minds on. And the reason she, 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 uh, she, she says she can do that is because she's able to swim with the top, top predator of the ocean. So she says, if I'm able to swim with the top predator of the ocean, I put my mind in things, I'm able to do, to do anything. When you are there, you know, Shamu is jumping. They have this great show. They have the music going on. You know, and they like raise the, the, the music and you're getting to the music. You're like, yeah, I can do anything. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I was like, I was ready. I was like, yeah, I'm a believer. She was preaching it. I was waiting for the collector basket, basket to pass by, put my donation, <laughs> get delivered or something. I was ready to go and jump and swim with Shamu. <laughs> Hopefully Shamu doesn't like Puerto Rican meat. <laughs> but it's true. She's, she's preaching a gospel. She's, she's asking us, us to believe on something. She was saying that so we could have a passion for animals and, and people. But there's other things that are calling. Maybe not as, not as Laden. For us Christians, maybe going there 
in the middle of that, it's easy to say, that's, that's, that's false doctrine. I don't want to believe that. But there's others that may be more difficult for us to identify. What about maybe the mom that she's uh, following by word what Dr. Phil Oprah is saying? What about that? That maybe uh, it's, not, it's not with scripture, but makes sense. Or maybe the teenager that is watching this TV show that is telling him, you don't need to submit to your parents. You can do whatever you want. You don't need them to make decisions. Or the dad that believes that if he works a little more, he earns that little more money, get that promotion, all their problems will be solved. Maybe he's believing in tolerance. Maybe he's saying, okay, you, you believe in a God. It's, it's, it's not the same religion, but that's a different God. That's okay. If you believe in God and a good person, that's okay. Or maybe the TV evangelism that is telling us, if you have a little more faith and you're a little more holy, or your problems will be solved. Maybe some of those messages will be harder to us to interpret it. And maybe we, myself, sometimes as a human being, some of those messages are appealing to myself. Because make logic and also feed my, my human nature. So my temptation is many times to agree with them. And the Bible has a different guideline for us. So if you please can turn with me to 1 Timothy 1, 3 to 11. And while I turn there, I just want to comment out. This is just great leadership on his part to, to do this series. I believe God will meet you as a church and will bless you in this glorious book of 1 Timothy. This has been a, a, a great book for, uh, for me uh, during this time of uh, exploring calling. So it's, it's just a privilege to be able to, to preach from this message. So 1 Timothy 3, 1 Timothy 1, sorry, verses 3 to 11. As I urge you, when I was going to Macedonia, remain at Ephesus, that you may charge certain persons not to teach any different doctrine, nor to devote themselves to myths and endless genealogies, which promote speculation rather than stewardship from God that is by faith. The aim of our charge is love that issues from a pure heart and a good conscience and a sincere faith. Certain persons, by swerving from this, have wandered away into vain discussions, desiring to be teachers of the law without understanding either what they are saying or the things about which they make confident assertions. Now we know that the law is good if one uses it lawfully, understanding this, that the law is not laid down for the just, but for the lawless and disobedient, for the ungodly and sinners, for the unholy and profane, for those who strike their fathers and mothers, for murderers, the sexually immoral men who practice homosexuality, enslavers, liars, perjurers, and whatever else is contrary to sound doctrine, in accordance with the glorious gospel of the blessed God, which I have been entrusted. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you. We thank you for your word. Thank you that your word is clear. Thank you that you have led your word to guide us, not only for salvation, but for everything in life. Thank you for the gift of your holy word, and thank you for the gift of your son, that we have received salvation through him. We pray that I can serve this church effectively for your glory. In Jesus' name, 
Amen. If you see here, in, in verse 3, Paul is giving a command to Timothy to stop false doctrine. Many say that this is kind of like the charge of the entire book. There was a problem at the church of Ephesus. There were some teachers that were teaching false doctrine, back doctrine. But why Paul is doing this? I believe this passage is telling us to stop false doctrine, but also is telling us that we need to live with sound doctrine. It's not only stopping the bad doctrine, but also getting our lives with sound, correct teaching. And I believe the claim of this passage in our lives is there are consequences to what we believe. I believe the claim and the central message of this, pla- this passage is there are consequences to what we believe. As, I t- as Al told us last week, Paul was not only writing this to Timothy and the church in Ephesus. This is something relevant for us today. This is also speaking to us today. God, through this passage, is showing his love and care for the church. He's showing that that's that so, such important that he doesn't only wants to save us. He wants us to live by sound doctrine that will guide, us, will guide our lives and will, will guide our actions. You see, in this passage, Paul is dealing with doctrine. And doctrine basically is things that we believe. We've been talking about belief since the beginning of this passage. That's basically doctrine. Sometimes that's, that word doctrine can intimidate us, can be like, ooh, you know, doctrine, that's a man thing. That's something that is not, you know, just of the, of the earthly, earthly things. But basically doctrine is what we believe the Bible teaches us. Sometimes people can say, I, don't need not, I, don't need, I, I do not need doctrine. I just need the Bible. That's doctrine. You're, you're having a doctrine there. Maybe you're saying, doctrine does not matter. The important thing is to have Jesus in my life. Jesus is my body. Jesus is my friend. He's in my, life. He's in my heart. I don't need doctrine. Or maybe, for instance, when you say, uh, I don't need doctrine. I just need the Bible. You see, all these statements show that you have a doctrine. You believe in something related to the teachings of Scripture. So the, so the question is, do I have or I do not have doctrine? The question is, do I have the right doctrine, the right teaching of the Bible? And Paul is showing us the great importance of doctrine in verse, verse 3. If you can see something really interesting in this letter to 1 Timothy. Usually, when Paul is writing to, to churches or, or in his letters, you have greetings and you have like prayers and encouragement. You go to the, to the first, first Corinthians letter. That's a, that's a, was a church that was in deep sin. There was many issues there. But he gave a word of encouragement at the beginning. And he was thanking God for that church. In this case, he went, bam. He gave a command. He didn't... I can see Timothy open the letter and saying, okay, he's saying the first things. Let me say what he says about encouragement. Boom. I need to stop false teaching. And this is just telling us the importance of what sound doctrine is in the life of the church. When I was in Orlando, uh, we were in the Animal Kingdom Park. And I'm like walking, you know, enjoying the day, enjoying life with my, la- with my wife. And all of a sudden, a bird hit me in the face out of nowhere. <laughs> it was like a nanosecond before I seen these things coming. Boom! And uh, if you ask Kathy, she thought it was a pigeon. I thought it was a bald eagle. 
<laughs> that thing was humongous. We, we settled like on a hawk. It was a, it was a fur, fur, <laughs> fairly big, fairly big uh, bird. But the thing was, after that, I was looking for birds everywhere. I was seeing birds like, I'm not going there, there's a bird, a bird's flying, no. And uh, I think the same effect may have on us, on, on Timothy. When, when he read that, maybe he was waiting for that encouragement, boom, important of sound doctrine. So God is telling us how, how important is, is sound doctrine. And the other thing that God is giving us to tell us in, 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 this, in, in this passage is that it's of such important sound doctrine that he gave the structure of the local church to protect us. You see, Paul, he was uh, an apostle, and he was, he was putting Timothy as part to stop false, false teachings in the church. So the same we have here. We have Brenda Wilder and, and Danny Jones, two men here, to instruct us in, in, in sound teaching every, every week. And I just want to, to encourage you to think about that. Do you meditate on that? On the beauty of the church? Is it Sunday yet? Are we going to get instructed on sound doctrine by these two men that have laid their life to serve you well? Do you, do you take those notes, as Al was saying, a little later on and meditate on them? And let that sound teaching inform your life. So, as we have seen now, what the importance, a little background on the importance of, of, of sound doctrine, the, the, the force that Paul was, was wanting to, to bring to the passage, we want to go to three points that I believe this passage are, is bringing forward for us today. And these, these points are going to tell us the wrong things that bad doctrine can do to us, the blessings of sound doctrines, and where sound doctrine should come from. So because there's consequences related to what we believe, we need to understand, point number one, back doctrine will damage our lives. Point number one, back doctrine will damage our lives. So remember that we previously talked about doctrine. We say that doctrine is what we believe. So now when we're talking about false doctrine, you see, these are words that sometimes I say intimidate us. False doctrine is basically when we take something that we think is from the Bible or have a religious meaning and put it as something that is truth. We put it forward as something that, is, is, is that we should live by, thinking that it's something from the Bible. But if it's not from the Bible, if it's just human understanding, that's false doctrine. So that's what Paul was trying to, to stop in the church of Ephesus. And I think he wants to remind us here today. If we go to verse 4, he says, Nor to devote themselves to myths and endless genealogies which promote speculation rather than the stewardship from God that is by faith. And basically, speculation is, give, is getting to a conclusion without having the fact. So you get to something, to a conclusion without having the actual facts. So these people were, were having speculating about the Bible without having all the facts, or maybe taking isolated passages and coming to big conclusions that will guide their lives. And that happened to me many times. Uh, I believe sometimes the favorite book of the Bible for me is, is Prinera de Joselo, First Joselo. It's, it's whatever I made up. You know? <laughs> let go and let God. <laughs> you see, this, those are the, my favorite things sometimes. Things that don't come from the Bible, but make, make sense. They're logical. 
But they're not truthful in the Bible. And a lot of times we let these things guide our lives. Let's talk about anger sometimes. That's, that's, that can be a, a sin that I can, I can give in sometimes. And sometimes we let things from outside what the Scripture teaches us to, to guide us during these times. Uh, maybe two years ago, Kathy and I, we, we had the privilege to take a, a, a cruise in, in Europe. And on the way to Europe, uh, our, our flight was delayed. And we couldn't make our connection to go we, we, fl- we flew to Paris, and our connection was going to go to Rome, and we were going to take the, the cruise from Rome. So we missed our connection. I was, I was sick. I was having a, a really bad throat infection. And uh, so we were there in, in Paris, and uh, the flight that they put us on was going to be really close to make it to the, to the dock. Uh, and, and if we didn't make it to the, go- to the dock, we, it was going to mean I had to pay some money and to get to the next port. We were going to miss part of our vacation. So there was some things going on. And I go to talk to this lady from Air France. And uh, people in France, uh, let's put it this way, they, they, their customer service skills are not the best. Uh, so we're dialoguing there, and I'm telling her something, and she's telling me something. And I could feel my, my voice. You know? I didn't yell to her. I wasn't like saying to her. But there was anger inside of me. I, I wasn't getting something I wanted there. I wanted at that point. And maybe... Uh, the easy thing at that moment was to say, well, my circumstances, you know, I needed to get to Rome. I'm sick. Uh, this lady is not treating me well. So what, what would many people say to do with anger there? Go to a spa. Yell, because the anger is there. Just yell out and you'll feel better. But the Bible doesn't tell us that. The Bible tells me that I'm getting angry because out of my heart, that anger is coming. Because of my sin inside of me. Because it's brewing inside there. Because I wanted something. And I thought I deserved it at that moment. That's the reason I was getting angry. It's not because, because of the outside circumstances. That's what sometimes speculations can, can look like. In the middle of a trial like that, we need to remind what God's word says. And not what makes sense. Or what, what will serve us in that moment. On verse number 6. Certain persons, by swerving from this, have wandered away into vain discussions. These people have wandered away from good, for the good fruit in verse 5. That's what they have gone away from. And we will talk about verse 5 a little later on. And what is this swerving? What is this wandering away into vain discussion? This can be maybe intellectual salvation. Just thinking, I can get safe if I'm good. Maybe uh, things that doesn't have edifying effects. And what happens when, when we wander away? Usually when we wander away, the main things don't stay the main things. They become secondary things. As I'll say, I'm, I'm from Puerto Rico, and uh, I don't know who else, it's, it's, you know, but in Puerto Rico, we take a pig, you know, a roasted pig, and we eat everything, you know, everything. I don't know in Cuba they do the same thing. We, we, we eat everything. There's, you know, I, I remember fighting with some of my uh, relatives over the, 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 to eat the, the, the tail of the pig. You know, that's disgusting. I'm fighting to eat it. We eat everything <laughs> out of the pig. And one of the things that we eat is uh, la morcilla, which is a blood sausage. Uh, I don't know how many of you, you guys know. And in Puerto Rico, in some uh, evangelical churches, that's become a main issue, the blood sausage, la morcilla. And uh, why? Because it's made out of blood, and there's some passages in Scripture that talk about blood. And, and when, when Christmas time comes, when, when it's the time that people will eat uh, blood sausage, 
there's all these sermons, you know, La Morcilla, the tool of the devil. <laughs> La Morcilla, highway to hell. <laughs> and they forget about preaching about the gospel, about salvation. This becomes, you, you eat Morcilla, you go to the back road. You are on church discipline. You know, they can be doing many other things, but just eating a morcilla. So it becomes a main issue. But how can that look maybe in our lives? Maybe it's the homeschool mom that stay at home and, and think maybe she's a little better. Or the dad that is allowing her, her, her wife to stay home to homeschool. Maybe thinks, you know, I deserve heaven more than the other, than the other, the other family that doesn't do it. Maybe... Maybe the political party. Maybe you think, well, I'm a Republican, you know. Or, or be part of Sovereign Grace Church. Maybe you think we have it together as a group of churches. And maybe we think that's, that's our salvation. That's going away from the main things. Maybe we need to ask to ourselves, do I have any area of my life where my practices have overruled Scripture teaching? You know, where in my life... Am I allowing to other things guide how I live? Verse 7. Desiring to be teachers of the law without understanding either what they are saying or the things about which they make confident assertions. Basically, false doctrine usually is taught in a prideful attitude. It will come out with a self-righteous tongue. It will come out thinking, what we were saying, oh, you, oh, you don't homeschool? Oh, really? Tell me about that. And maybe, maybe come just with a little, a little edge of self-righteousness. Because we think uh, that we believe that's, 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 that's what is essential and it's not the gospel. At the end, false, doc- fa- false doctrine distracts us from the most important thing, which is the gospel. That is why believing things that are not biblical will damage our life. It moves us away from truth. If we have the wrong belief, this passage teaches us that we will have bad consequences. So because there's consequences related to what we believe, we need to understand, this is point number two, sound doctrine strengthens our life. Point number two, sound doctrine strengthens our life. You see, Paul is not only interested in stopping false teaching. He's also interested that we reap from the fruit of sound doctrine. As we saw, false teaching promotes controversies, arguments, and quarrels. But verse number five tells us that the aim of our charge is love that issues from a pure heart and a, God con- and a good conscience and sincere faith. The goal of all Christian instruction is love that is manifested, that comes from a pure heart, good conscience, and a sincere faith. You see, what is behind sound doctrine? Paul was not only asking to have the right, correct understanding of Scripture in their mind. A lot of people can, can have the right thinking, maybe, maybe recite the gospel correctly. But when sound doctrine is not only that knowledge, it will reflect in our life. It will come and change and transform our lives. It will be reflecting the way we live. Not only we say that with words, but people can look at our lives and see how the gospel has changed us. We have a, a, 
two dear friends, uh, names uh, Alexis and Andrew, and they're from the Ashburn Church. They're, they're, they're just they're family. They're dear, dear friends. Uh, around a year ago, maybe a little more, uh, Andrew was, was pregnant, expecting their second child, and they found out that there were many things wrong with the baby. They found out uh, there was uh, just the deformations, uh, uh, and the doctors were just not believing that the, that the, the baby would be able to make it outside the womb. And, uh, and it was a, trial, a time of trial. Uh, we were the caregiver leaders, and it was a, a time of trial for us, for them, uh, for the church. And uh, before that happened, uh, many people were thought that Alexi and Andy were, you know, believers, but not the strongest believers. But it was just glorious to see at that point how sound doctrine came out in the way they walked that trial. Uh, Kathy and I, we were, we were able to be with them at the time their, their baby passed away four days after being born. And during the grief, I saw them praising, the, praising God. That is sound doctrine. And that is love that comes from a pure heart. And six, six months later, we were in a Thanksgiving a, a dinner with them. And uh, Alexis stand up and he gave thanks for that trial. Because now he feels that he's loved more the Savior. His life has been transformed. And he, he, he thanked God for using his, his daughter for him to, to have a deeper love for the Savior. That is sound doctrine. That's when you know that sound doctrine is having effects on your life. So first, this love, this doctrine needs to come, come out from, from love, a pure heart. Why should we need a pure heart before we could love? Because we're sinners, and our hearts are deceitful, deceitful, wicked. It's like David. When David was loving Bathsheba, uh, he thought maybe he, he was in love. But then when he realized that he was in sin, what was his prayer to God in Psalm 51? Creating me a clean heart. Because you cannot love until God has changed you, your heart. It's not something that we can just... Okay, I'm going to love. Love that comes from sound doctrine will come when God transforms our heart. Second, a good conscience. And what is a good conscience? Good conscience is an awareness of what is good and what is bad. But not only an awareness of what is good and what is bad, it's also being able to identify if we're doing things that are good or are bad based on the Holy Scripture. Because we can say that's good and that's bad many times in others, but not in our lives. So good, when we have a, a, an informed conscience, we can say, our, our conscience can, can tell us when we are breaking the law. It's not, it's not like the, the slogan of Nike that says, just do it. You know, we can do whatever we want. Our conscience needs to be instructed by, by Holy Scripture. Right. Listen to this. Paul is telling us that, we're, there's, that there is no such thing as love apart from truth. So we cannot love if there's no truth in our life. Because our conscience needs to be informed by Holy Scripture. And the third thing is a sincere faith. This is not a lazy assessment, assessment of, doc, of doctrine. A sincere faith is put by God when we, we believe and trust in His Son as our Savior. It's not only filling a car or a professional faith. It's when Jesus comes and regenerates our lives. For his glory. 
So wrapping up this point that sound doctrines transform our lives, Paul gave us a way of how to measure the fruit of sound teaching and, and what effect is having in our lives. You see, it's not only telling us you need sound doctrine, it's telling us how we need to measure if sound doctrine is affecting our lives. And that's with a love that is from a pure heart, a good conscience, and sincere faith. So he's giving us kind of a map that we can put in our lives. Am I having a pure heart? A God has transformed my heart? Is my conscience informed by Scripture? And I'm having faith, believing that God is working in my life? But because there are consequences related to what we believe, we need to understand that point number three, right doctrine flows from the gospel. And we will, we will end again by, we need to look at verses 8 to 11. So I'm going to read them again. As scripture can say it better than me. Verse 8. Now we know that the law is good if one uses it lawfully, understanding this, that the law is not laid down for the just, but for the lawless and disobedient, for the ungodly and sinners, for the unholy and profane, for those who strike their fathers and mothers, for murderers, the sexually immoral men who practice homosexuality, homosexuality, enslavers, liars, perjurers, and whatever else is contrary to sound doctrine, in accordance with the glorious gospel of the blessed God, which I have been entrusted. You see, the, the Ephesian church did not understand the right use of the law. That was the problem that Paul was instructing Timothy to stop in the false teaching. Those false teachings were using the law not correctly. They were using the law as the way to attain salvation. And Paul was teaching them how to use the law correctly. So when we see how Paul was guiding them to protect from, from false doctrine, also we then, we learn that all doctrine has to be found from the truth of the gospel. If any doctrine that we learn is outside of the, of the truth of the gospel, it's not sound teaching. You see in verse 8, it says that the law is good. And many times we as believers, you know, we see Paul in so many parts of Scripture saying that we're saved by, by grace and not by law, that we think that the law is bad. Because in, in Romans 7, in many passages, Paul asserts that the law is good. And he's saying this here, the law is good. The law is useful for us, for us believers. You see, confusion is law equals bad. No, law equals, no, it's not that law equals bad. It's that law used in a wrong way is bad. It will be detrimental to our life. What Paul was not fighting was the use of the law. What he was fighting constantly was the wrong use of the law using things like circumcision, things that were not a uh, principle for salvation to be used uh, as, as means of salvation. We need to do the same, same thing. Make sure that our, our, our doctrines, that our practices come from the gospel, not come from just rules that we're putting to, to make people to, to do and feel that we're earning salvation. Here's the point the teachers were saying. If you want to be righteous with God, the way to righteousness is to obey these moral laws, the moral laws that we see in verses 8 to 10. Then you will be right with God. That's what they were saying. You follow these rules, you will be right with God. But whoever preaches that doesn't understand, doesn't know him 
and do, do not know the law. You see, when applying, I see all these, all these sins that are uh, in this passage of Scripture. And I'm thinking about that. And they're like really big sins, you know, strikers and sexually immorals. Uh, but if we go back, all these, all these sins, are, you can take them from, from the Ten Commandments. But if more, if I, if I look at them, I can see myself in them. The Bible tells in Matthew 5 that I have lost it, so I have lost them an adulterer. That I have hated. If I have hated, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a, uh, I have killed. It's like killing someone. So this passage is telling me that to me. I'm guilty of the law. Um, maybe first time, first couple of times I read this passage, I say, I'm not there. I haven't done that. Yes, I have. Yes, I have. Scripture tells me that I have. That I have lost it. That I'm an adulterer. That I'm a killer. But, but this passage, this passage, not to tell us only that there's a law to, to make us guilty. That's, it. That's not the, the the use of this passage. Yeah, the law is used to restrain us for sin. The law convicts us of sin. The law serves as a guide, as a Christian. The law shows us what true righteousness looks like. But the one thing that the law cannot do is save us. There's only one thing that can save us. And that's the gospel through Jesus Christ. Verse 10 and 11. And whatever else is contrary to sound doctrines, in accordance with the glorious gospel of the blessed God, which, which I have been entrusted. As I say, Paul was not only giving us the rules to be safe. He gave us the law so we can see our sin, but he gave us also the hope. So we can flee to that hope. So we can go to that hope. You see, every time we break the law, we have a solution as believers. Our solution is to run to the gospel and find forgiveness to our sins and clean consciences. So this applies to every aspect of our life. This is not only when we sin. This applies to our, our marriage, our parenting, our, how we relate at church. How we interact at church. Is it Sunday yet? The gospel needs to inform that. How? Because now we don't need to give account of the law. Because every time that we break the law, we can run to the gospel 